Hello, and welcome to issue 582 of Geek in the City Radio. I am one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Rita. And I am your other, other host, Cable Hashitani. And joining us is the one and only Nat West of Reverend Nat's Hard Cider. Ow! Not here to talk about cider today. No cider conversations whatsoever. Although I might ask you stuff anyway. I'm always available. <laughs> That's true. And then, of course, it wouldn't be a thing if, like, Bean hadn't rolled her eyes at me within the first 30 seconds. I don't even remember why at this point. I think because I was making fun of Ted Wheeler. That's why I was so concerned. I was like, what did I do wrong? Maybe um, I was rolling my eyes at the thought of Ted Wheeler. Okay, that makes, that way makes more, more sense. sense. Well, hi, everyone. How are we all doing? Good? Good? I mean, fine with a certain level of apprehension. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Recording this the day before the inauguration of number 46, Joe mm-hmm. Biden. Right. He's, he's only number 46 until we can get the former 45 invalidated entirely and stricken sure. from the record. Then it just goes from 44 to 46, right? Mm-hmm. It's gonna be like the, yeah, like the Barry Bonds of presidents. They're just going to be an asterisk between 44 and 46. Yep, uh, the missing episode. Right. The missing episode of America. Right. Like, what's his name? <clears throat> Who was like the older brother in Happy Days that literally went up the stairs in episode two and never came back? Oh, right. Right. Richie had an older brother. Everyone forgets. You like the special <laughs> needs one? No, he yeah. had an older brother, and they just wrote him out. He literally mm-hmm. goes upstairs like at the end of episode two. And they, he's not in the, he's just, he's out. He's, and they never bring him up again. Mm, too complicated. Yeah. Um, although I'll be honest, I don't think I want to watch the inauguration live tomorrow because I will be too nervous mm-hmm. for, for dark reasons. Mm-hmm. I can see like, that. Yeah. It, it's I will quite... be watching it live. I'm going to work early to watch it live with everyone else. Right. I'm going to, this is one of the times that I enjoy the fact that we're on the West Coast so that when we wake up in the morning, we're going to know early if shit's going, gone sideways. Oh, right. It's noon East Coast time. It mm. is. Right. Which is 9 a.m. here. Now I don't know how to feel about the fact that getting up early means I don't have my leisurely headline time first thing when I wake up. Yeah, no. Right. I mean, if you want to get but like four. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. That's that's not yeah. as it is. I'm I, I I am getting into this. Uh, I've been going to bed early uh, every day, which for me is eleven. I go to bed at eleven. Um, I'm normally that I get up at nine for work so that I have a leisurely morning and then go straight to work. Um, but that's too much sleep. That's too much sleep, and I'm just waiting for like rather than like naturally waking up early like a like a better human. What happens is I'm just going to like, in a, in another week or two, I'm just going to not sleep at all. Just complete deficit. Right. Till you, have, till you hit the big reset button again? Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then I'll go to bed early that night, the next night, and hope to get catch up. Right. <clears throat> but my body can't just do me the favor of like, you've had enough sleep. You're going to wake up now. No, no. It's just going to deprive me of any sleep to because <laughs> I've had so much. I, I have the, uh, like every <clears throat> every video game person probably knows this feeling every once in a while, 
I picked up finally uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How long uh, ago? First off, hmm? How long ago? So I got it like a week ago and I just cracked it open yesterday. Uh, um, yeah, I like it. It's, no, I went to bed at 2 a.m. today. <laughs> like I started, yeah, I ended up not being able to do anything tomorrow like I thought I was going to. I was like, well, I guess I'm going to stay here and play video games all day mm-hmm. and all night. And I did. Mm. What uh, version did you download? Is it on part like 1.0? No, I just I just bought the the discs of it. Mm. And install took like five hours because there's the install disc and then the game disc. So I'm guessing I have the most updated version because I've been yeah. a hardware version of it. I downloaded uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. I have not played it. I downloaded it like two weeks ago. Thinking yeah. I'm going to let all of the Cyberpunk updates come in. I'm going to finish RDR2 story mode and then uh, catch Cyberpunk in a couple of months. What system are you playing it on? The new Xbox Series S. Hmm. Look at you, fancy pants. I think that that most of the problems have been with the people who have been playing it for the PS4. Yeah. yeah That's what I got, and it's good. it's running fine. It's <laughs> no more glitchy than like like when Skyrim first came out. Sure. And that sucker, dragons flying backwards, horses running through mountains. The bard you couldn't kill, no matter how hard you tried. It was like, yeah, it's, you know, it's fine. Whatever. Those all sound perfectly normal to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's weird that we allow glitches to be normal, but it's like, there's so much they have to fucking check. I can't be hating on them. And it's because they they keep coming up with arbitrary release dates that are based on someone else's bottom line and not the actual amount of time it takes to create something like this. Yeah, well, right. they have been at this one for, what, like four years or something? So mm-hmm. Something like that, yeah. Longer. I will say my, my poor PS4 is working so hard. It's just mm. like, ah, ah. <laughs> like, before I installed it, gave the system like a deep physical cleaning, wiped out anything that I wasn't currently playing that could be maybe using that background information, and it's fine. You know, and it's got longer load times, but I remember like in the first Resident Evil on the PlayStation, every time you opened a door, it was 90 seconds. <laughs> I think yeah. I did read the, the the load. A lot of the issues with the uh, Cyberpunk uh, game on console is the way they're loading. There's, it's no load screens, right? Once you, once the game, once you get into the game, mm-hmm. and, um, it's a very dense uh, city. You're not like, not like on Witcher where you can see like 400 miles away. Yeah. Um, but, but because, but so there, there's just so much detail they're cramming into everything visible. Mm-hmm. So, right. and things don't, don't pop as you get closer to them. They're, everything's visible all the time. So you're, they're yeah. constantly unloading and reloading uh, assets. So it's, I think I've, I read that that was like, that's like the big problem with consoles that they just can't get <clears throat> stuff in and out fast enough data in yeah. and out fast enough. Yeah. But it's yeah. fun. So far, the story, I'm digging it. And I think the character works really well done. The voice works really well done. So, yeah, it's fun. And one day when I get a PS5, I get the free upgrade. So, whatever. Yeah, I will say that uh, Merrick's been playing it for a while now. I, I think she got it the, when it came out. That's like she's jam, PC, though, right? right? Hmm? She's PC. She's PC, and mm-hmm. it's a PC specifically built to play this game. Ooh. So... Probably plays yeah. pretty well. Yes, she's nice. like, 
I get that I'm not having the same problems that everyone else is, mm-hmm. but also I've been planning for this for longer than yeah. most people yeah. have. That's why I bought my Xbox is because yeah. I've been on a Switch for a couple of years and I just I got it just to play Cyberpunk. So um, if, I had, if I had one I, beef with it, I don't like first person for role playing games. I prefer third. Mm-hmm. That, I mean that, but that's a personal thing. Uh, if I may, I'm, I'm going to do a little. Uh, solicitation for if uh, you're on Twitch and want to see more of the gameplay, she has been streaming weekly um, at least at least twice a week, uh, her games so cool. you can find her on Twitch if you want to watch. Gotta ask her what her character build is like. So here's, the, here's one of the tips that she gave. Uh, she bought the Cyberpunk Red core rulebook for the RPG mm-hmm. And use that to figure out how to build her character in game a week and a half before she got it. Damn, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. I I took someone's advice when I first started it because like I, being kind of tested as having playing Left 4 Dead with me, I'm a very bad at first person shooters. Mm. <laughs> um, but I had someone tell me like, no, if you do the right build with a hacker you can just basically have other things take out your enemies without you ever engaging. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's fun. Yes. And then I just got really good with movement stats and melee, and I'm just like this katana-willing angel of death. Because I've usually the swords take out almost any bad guy like in two swipes, and I can cross that room like that. By the time they're like reloading, they're dead. And it's kind of fun. <laughs> That's my go-to as well, uh, especially when I don't, like, even back when I played a lot of first-person shooter type games, I still always prefer just, like, quick, close the gap and just melee them to death. Yeah, yeah, it's totally. easier and more satisfying. I think I read that the develop, game developers said that you could play through all of Cyberpunk 2077 without killing anyone the entire time. Mm-hmm. You can, yeah. So it seems like a lot of different ways to um, avoid I, the bad first-person shooter sort of thing. I saw someone play all of one of the Metal Gear Solid games without killing anyone once. Mm. Not counting, not counting robots, but um, they said like is it, it, it is it basically like a charisma dump? You just really, really flesh out those characteristics so that you can talk your way out of shit, or is it more like evasive maneuvers? It's evasive maneuvers, and both Metal Gear and Cyberpunk have non-lethal options if you want. Mm-hmm. It's just harder. Interesting. It's way easier to just like you know fucking drop a shape charge into a room and clear it out than it is to silently you know, knock everyone out in an entire room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and time. then also try to hide their bodies so that the other people don't see them and come. You know, mm-hmm. or, you know. Anyway. Hmm, there's yammering on there. I do like the what seems to be a preponderance of hairless cats throughout the alleyways in Night City. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Um, yeah, no, it's fun. I dig it. Uh, so, Nat, we had you on. Mm. We're having you on, A, because we love having you on. And B, it was like a little over a week ago. I got a very excited text from you with Lord of the Rings casting, character, and story information. Super. And I will admit, I will. I enjoy my elves and dwarves and, and hobbits and wizards. Um, 
but I don't know the deep dive you do. So I was reading that screen cap you sent me and I'm like, okay, I, I recognize that name. Yeah. But this clearly is important. So what, give us, give us the, you're basically our go-to Lord of the Rings person. Well, I'll take that. Um, yeah, I'm actually going to bring up the, uh, the, uh, so like a week ago or so, um, uh, the, um, Amazon dropped a uh, paragraph or so uh, synopsis synopsis for the. Um... Oh, I just <laughs> okay. Um, well, I was, I was read it. It's okay. uh, blah 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 blah. Um, the this epic drama is set thousands of years before the events of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, and will take viewers back to an era in which great powers were forged. The rings. Mm-hmm. Uh, kingdoms rose to glory and fell to ruin. Numenor. Unlikely heroes were tested. There's a lot of options there. Uh, hope hung by the finest of threads. That's the fall of Numenor and uh, the departure of um, the faithful to Middle-earth. Um, uh, and the greatest villain that ever flowed from Tolkien's pen threatened to cover all the world in darkness. Now, that's technically not true because the greatest villain was uh, Melkor, Morgoth, but um, they're referencing Sauron here, which is fine. Um, Beginning in a time of relative peace after the destruction or the banishment of Melkor, Morgoth, uh, the series follows an ensemble cast of characters, both familiar and new. The only familiar ones we're really going to get are uh, familiar to everybody else other than somebody like me is Galadriel and Elrond both exist um, in the Third Age, which is the, the, the War of the Ring. Right. And the Second Age. Uh, and Elrond's and I... a lot younger than Gladriel, isn't he supposed to be, from what I'd read? Yeah, a few thousand years. G- Gladriel is, like, super-duper-duper duper old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, familiar and old. As they confront the long-feared re-emergence of evil to Middle-earth. So uh, Sauron's boss is Morgoth, and he gets banished at the end of the uh, First Age. From the darkest depths uh, of the Misty Mountains to the magical forests of the elf capital Linden to the breathtaking island kingdom of Numenor to the furthest reaches of the map, these kingdoms and characters will carve out legacies that live on long after they are gone. So the short of it is that um, it's Second Age. and the Second Age, there's basically four ages in the Tolkien Legendarium. The First Age is really kind of woo-woo and... Um, is like elves are like not fully they don't abide by the laws of physics so things can get really hard to describe and to portray stuff from the first age very like gods mystical it's it, it can be very mystical and it's, it it i think it would suffer from uh you know one of the things that made game of thrones so popular was that it was very gritty like um they the, it filled in a lot of the details that felt kind of like our world in uh, Game of Thrones. I think that happens, that works well in any show uh, where you can bring n- non uh, fans in by relating it a little bit more to our world. And the first age is out for that. Um, and also, what's really cool about the second age is that so many of the things that casual Lord of the Rings fans are aware of uh, from either reading the book or watching the Peter Jackson movies, things like um, the story of the One Ring, the Three Rings for the Elves, and the Nine for the Mortal Men, Doomed to Die, characters like Galadriel or Elrond. Um, you know, the, uh, Aragorn is direct descendant of Isildur. These kind of things that a lot of people would 
maybe not know, but it'll ring a bell for them. Mm-hmm. They all have origin stories in the second age. So everything that happens in the third age, with the exception of the existence of hobbits, is mm-hmm. really created in the second age. So it's a way for um, non-nerds to um, be able to appreciate the show because they're going to be able to pick up some things that they know and not feel like... I mean, if you got dumped into like season three episode six of game of thrones you'd be like i have no idea what's happening right i mean i didn't i didn't, i said that on every episode pretty much and I watched the whole thing right um but i think there's more of an opportunity for people to feel a little bit grounded in the tolkien legendarium uh because they're going to be using the second age so mm-hmm. does the second age officially end with that big battle with sauron that we see at the beginning of lord of the rings or is that exactly exactly so yeah we in the beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring, Galadriel kind of re- re- recaps a, a bit of the story of the ring. Um, and um, we saw the, the last alliance of elves and men, the one that Isildur um, chopped his finger, Sauron's finger off. That is all, um, that, that, that was the ending of uh, Second Age. That's all Second Age material for sure. So, yeah, I mean, even, so one of the interesting things that I read is that um, the agreement that Amazon signed allows them to use certain creative assets from the Peter Jackson trilogy. Um, Some people think it's just like in case they accidentally step on somebody's toes because they're filming in New Zealand. So they're going to go to Hobbiton and I mean, Hobbiton still exists, right? They're going to kick all the tourists out and film some, I mean, there's no, there is no Hobbiton in the second age. So it's a different story, but some of the same uh, geographic features can, can can come back um, that we saw in the movies can come back in the show. Um, so we're not, I, people don't really think it's going to be like, oh, here's that battle. And it's the same, you know, lineup of, of Elrond with his, you know, sword and stuff. Um, but there, there could be some overlap. And I think that they've crafted their contracts such that it's okay if there's a little bit of overlap. Well, that makes sense. Cause you need to kind of have the, I mean, Peter Jackson kind of created based on, you know, a state approved artwork or whatnot, but those films are. Like when you think of Lord of the Rings now, there's a visual that you have in your head. Yeah. And I think totally. if you deviate from that, that's that's a hard thing to resell. Yeah, and I think one thing that uh, fans like myself were really excited about the movies is that uh, Peter Jackson did a really good job. Um, you know, some some folks say when you're reading a book, you have a character in your head. Uh, a lot of people have that, you know, that what that character looks like or, you know, you might um, cast that person in your head for the live action version. And I think we were all really excited when, Peter Jackson stuff came out because it was all very um, in line with uh, both Tolkien's specific uh, descriptions as well as the sort of emotional um, nature of the, of the writing. So, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And then I know you've spoken about it a little bit and that you, you're, you're kind of happy about it that from what I've read, the Amazon show is going to have a more uh, diverse cast. Oh yeah. 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 Um, and I've already saw like, I hate to call it because I feel like you're a big Tolkien purist, but I feel like I've been reading about some less than um, open Tolkien purists that were like, there were, there were no black people in Lord of the Rings. So now they're just trying to be woke by doing it. And like it opened up this entire can of worms about Tolkien's own real past and the area he grew up in and stuff like that. Like, what are your, what are your kind of thoughts on that? Yeah. I think that's just straight up racism coming out anywhere it can. Um, (laughs) There's, uh, there's numerous references to, um, uh, uh, various it, it, Tolkien uses specific 
color words to describe people's skin, um, skin color. Um, so, you know, there, he, he, he doesn't, I don't really think he ever really mentions, or very few mentions of dark skins, but there's a lot of people, a lot of mentions that he has of, of what would be non-white people. Um, so I think if you, if you Google like the uh, Amazon Lauder cast list, you get this, these great photos and there's white people in there for sure, but I, I haven't done a count or anything, but there's a lot of um, people who have different color skins. I think it works out really well. There's a, a couple of really fascinating, um, they're going to have to largely be um, the race of men, humans. Um, but within the race of, of humans, there's a, a lot of opportunities for the Easterlings to come in and they interact with the Numenorians um, regularly throughout the second age, uh, the Haradrim from the South, um, which were featured in the Peter Jackson movies is like that one um, person of color who gets like thrown off the elephant and lands at, at Sam's feet. And right. he's like, did this guy really want to come and fight? Or was he lied to uh, like all of Sauron, the deceivers armies? Um, I think there's a lot of opportunities for um, uh, sort of, you know, different non-white people to fit in really, really well with legendary men, not, you know the if so if you if if you hear from Lauder fans and they're saying there's no there's no place for non-whites to be in this show that they're not true Lauder fans and they happen to be racist so right I think it was just a lot of, you don't have to be you know uh, actively anti-racist to embrace this cast list you can just be <clears throat> a, a straight up Lauder nerd and um, embrace the cast list right and I've read before like arguments about it that like all of the enemies that we saw in oh yeah. In the, in the Jackson movies, all the oh, yeah. non-white people are usually the bad guy, and they're like, "That's proof of that." And yeah. but you brought something up that's like true. Like a lot of these armies, for me, I remember reading it back, is that he's he saw on the deceiver. Like yeah, he tricks he yeah. tricks a lot of these kingdoms totally. into going to war. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a ton of opportunity. One thing I'm really excited about in the Second Age is that if you read the Silmarillion, uh, the pre the zeroth age is like many pages. The first age is many many pages. The second age is like very few pages but as uh, there are tons of stories in the second age so it's really cool that uh the showrunners can 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 um they won't break canon because there's so little written about the second age the the, the major chunks of stories the rise and fall of numenor the reemergence of sauron the creation of the rings that's like i mean tolkien wrote like 50 pages in the Silmarillion about the, about this uh, second age. And we've got, we have like 3,400 years of history um, that he wrote like 50 or 75, something like that. Not enough papers, pages. So, you know, things like, um, you, you know, how, do, okay. If, if you come into it and say, okay, let's try to get some non-white people into the cast to, I mean, we could be capitalistic about it and get some non-white people to watch the show too. Right. Um, where could they fit in? Oh, there's tons of opportunity for them to fit in and not break canon at all. So, um, stories like, yeah, he's the deceiver. He's going to, he's going to, you know, get people from the East and from the South. And there's a whole section of the second age where he goes to war with Celebrimbor, the forger of the rings and they beat his ass. And he goes back to the, back to Baradur. And then he's like, okay, I'm not going to fight the elves and the, and the, and the, and the and these men anymore. I'm going to go grab all these Easterners and these Southerners who, um, you know, to come back and fight again. So there's a lot of, op- there's a lot of political stuff that they could bring up that would be super fun and interesting um, that, you know, happened, but Tolkien just didn't write about it. So. so there was like a lot of like, and then this happened and this happened and this happened, but none of the hows and whys and. 
Yeah, yeah, so much. And, and just great stories, like the rise and fall of Numenor or, um, you know, Irondil the Mariner, like, disappearing and becoming a star in the sky is, like, this huge plot line. And, um, you know, he has – Tolkien has this tendency to um, – he has themes, uh, very specific sort of um, – little plot devices that he brings up again and again, you know, 3000 years later, he'll bring up the same little plot device again. Um, so we have the opportunity to draw some of the comparisons that people might know about Aragorn and Arwen. They could bring that into um, the story of uh, Elwing and Erendil, um, but there's no rules about, um, you know, the color elves pretty much got to be like white skin pretty much. They can have different color hair, but you got to be really light skin according to the canon. Um, to 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 um, play an elf, but there's so much. Elves are thirty percent of the story of the Second Age, and uh, men, humans are are the majority of the of the story. So there's a lot of opportunity for really cool casting. And I well, I, never, I don't know. I didn't any... realize that elves had that small of a part. Well, yeah, I mean, after the first age, the elves are like we're, we're getting the hell out of here. So you know, um, Elrond says, you know, the elves are leaving Middle Earth, and we're you know we're going back to. Valinor because this place sucks um so that's been going that goes on for thousands and thousands of years so at, over the course of the entire the story of middle earth elves are continuing to depopulate middle earth and the second age um was a big one because the it, what kicks off the second age is melkor uh, uh morgoth uh, sauron's boss gets va- banished to off off world into the void and uh, during that process, um, most of Middle Earth is ge- ge- geologically destroyed. And the elves are like, whoa, we had like my I used to live right there. And then I don't have a house anymore. So screw this. We're getting out of here. Um, so they all go um, into the West. Um, so there's like there's just a ton of opportunities for. Um, uh, well, I could go on and on. No, we just talked about John. <laughs> I, and actually, I have another like nerdy question that, like, again, like I enjoy Lord of the Rings, but I don't have the deep knowledge of it, and I'm, I just kind of have to know. Like, are we gonna are we gonna see more dragons? Oh yeah. Um, so I feel like question. they hint that like dragons used to be fucking everywhere, and then they weren't. Yeah. So dragons are a creation of Morgoth. Um, and Morgoth. Mm. So the, the difference between Morgoth and Sauron is like. There's no other Lord of, sort of Lord of the Rings reference because Morgoth, um, when Eru Iluvatar, who's like the one, the being, the, the immortal, the, the, the god, um, he sits in his timeless halls and he's like chilling for a long time and he's uh, bored, uh, but there's no sense of time. So there's no, there's, this is all pre-first age stuff. And one day or something, he, there's no days yet. He like uh, decides he's going to make some friends. So he, he, uses song he sings uh creatures into existence uh, and those are the ainur um which are like the top gods of um his creation once he creates the ainur he kind of takes a step back he builds some stuff on the world but he pretty much says all right this is good you guys just go run this um run this world for me while i'm gonna go do something else and so the ainur are like you can sort of think about them like the greek pantheon so like there's the the big guy Manway and then his wife and uh, Yavana is like the she's like plant stuff and Eul is like the smith and he's like making things so there's all these like highest level gods Morgoth is one of the highest level gods he's the second most powerful god then there's like 
the next significant step down. They are simply the helpers of the gods. Gandalf is one. The Balrog of Moria is one. Sauron is one. Sauron, uh, then at Morgoth, they both create dragons. So there's always uh, giant worms, they're called. And they didn't actually fly in the uh, first age. Um, a couple of them flew in the second age. But yeah, we'll get dragons for sure. It isn't like, there's not a lot of them. They're, they are mostly named. Um, but there's a couple of really um, awesome ones that, that Ankalagon the Black is like the big, one of the big bad ones. So that's a cool name. We'll see a couple for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, nice, man. I mean, I was already kind of excited for it because, you know, just more fantasy on TV makes me happy. But I kind of like, you know, you kind of yeah. laid out and expect a little bit, which is pretty cool. Well, so they spent $250 million to buy the rights. <laughs> yeah. And by comparison, the Peter Jackson movies cost $281 million to make. So they've already spent uh, all their money just to getting the rights. They committed to five seasons. Uh, the first season is going to have 20 episodes in it. Um, you do some math and you look at what Game of Thrones costs. And, and a lot of people estimate this is going to be a billion dollars to make um, this show. Um, it's also interesting because the second age has amazing stories in the beginning and then amazing stories 3,000 years later. I'm, 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 I might be getting over the tip of my skis here, but I, I think that each season could be a story. I think right. there's enough epic stories, mm-hmm. um, and there are enough characters who move from one um, story to the next because they're elves; they live forever. Um, and then there are also this descendant, descendant line of humans, which which could be like, oh, my grandfather was in the previous right. story, and now. Um, so I think there's an opportunity, not like. Um, like uh, the Lord of the Rings movies that we saw where you can kind of count the days as they go by, you know, the whole war of the ring lasted like uh, six months or something from when Frodo left Hobbiton before he threw the ring. In Only the six. I don't know why I was told 18 once. Uh, no, from when he leaves, it's pretty quick. It's, it's, it's quick. So I don't know how you tell a TV show or a movie story across 3,400 years of history. And you do need the beginning because that's the, essentially the, it's like 3,000 years because Solomon returns about 500 years into the second age. So you need to cover 3,000 years across uh, five or so seasons. Wow. It'll be a challenge for that's sure. That's a lot of time to cover. A lot of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I don't really see how they're going to do it like sort of, you know. It's also a heck of a job to sign up for. You're looking at like a decade of work if you, if you're a character who's going to yeah. have to appear at every season. Kind of I thing. just pulled yeah. up the cast list on IMDb and <clears throat> I don't recognize a single name, yeah. which is always exciting. <laughs> yeah, that, I was looking at a headline that, uh, and I didn't catch the name. I feel like they were being indirect about it, but they list. But I was able to see that uh, she's a woman of color, uh, and she was Amanda Waller for a short run in the Arrowverse. Uh, where they did oh, like a shit. brief Suicide Squad thing. Uh, she was in a bunch of other stuff too, but I'm like, you should recognize her from that. No, that is correct. Cynthia Adai Robinson. She was oh, she wow. was Amanda Waller in Arrow. There is one other actor that I recognize his face, and his name is 
Simon Merrills, who played Julius Caesar on DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Hmm. Oh, nice. So they pooled from uh, the Vancouver uh, casting pool. Oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's a lot of sense in that. Mm-hmm. And then moved them to New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, they moved, yeah. There is one actor who played uh, some rando orc in the Peter Jackson series, um, and he's casted, but he doesn't look like an orc type. He looks kind of like a <laughs> mannish. So it'll be a <laughs> it'll be a funny funny to have the one guy come back. But yeah, there is a there is a varying there's a lot of variance in colors and backgrounds of all of these people. Mm-hmm. Which is nice to see. Yeah, that's list. cool. Yep. It doesn't say who any of them are playing. No, which, again, good. I don't want. Yeah, none of that's been released. Yeah. So they started filming pre-COVID, shut down. Uh, they're back to filming now. Um, I don't. I, I haven't. Um, I'm not so into the latest news and rumors, so I'm not sure when the release date is. But um, I, I assume that's that is probably a known thing. It's like it's also a relatively young cast. Yeah, I mean, you get the benefit of um, elves don't ever look old, and then yeah, um, there's that, and then yeah, humans, uh, the Numenorians live like between ninety and like three hundred years, depending on what line you came from. So it can definitely be a um, a young, uh, you know, you can stick with canon, so to speak, and have a lot of young folks. I mean, they gotta cast them young because. Uh, who's saying 10 years right you're gonna be that's what I would, yeah yeah right that's what i was thinking like you need someone a little bit younger because they're all gonna get old mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah totally yeah you gotta you gotta get them while they're really fresh faced so that they right. don't visibly age uh in that five-year contract yeah and not famous enough that they're gonna have scheduling conflicts you just want to like lock them into your show make them Ooh. one of the one of our listeners in the chat said that the the release date is March 12th. Of this year? Yeah. Oh, my God. Wait, really? <sighs> Put in my leave, leave of absence right now. <laughs> I, I think the only way to verify that is to check Amazon, since it's going to be on Amazon, right? Yes. Yeah, they're not going to... Yeah. So is IMDb, but I don't well. think we saw it there, either. I mean, yeah, uh, the official news says there's no release date, but I, I, you know, who knows? I mean, they did start filming, um, you know, pre-COVID, so uh, I don't know. Is there or it's one of those things where, like, they have, like, maybe, like, the first, like, they have the first, like, two episodes done, so they're like, we're going to release it as, like, a movie, and then say, like, coming in 2022, the yeah, story kind of thing. Yeah, could be. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Uh, will you, you told me not to bring it up, but will you be planning any themed ciders for the release? I mean, actually, you used to do your Tolkien like birthday thing. Yeah, yeah, we do. We do the Bilbo's birthday back um, when we could go to places. Party every year. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think so. You know, it's it's, it's still been so hard. We've been moving the cidery so um, for the last uh, couple of months, and we we moved tanks yesterday and today. We're moving tanks again tomorrow. It's the last kind of thing. If you drive by and look at our place and pick your head in the window there's just hardly anything in there so um, without having a tap room it becomes really difficult to make one-offs um so i'm not really planning on uh 
any kind of celebratory uh, a cider for this. So. Well, I, I think the first celebration we have with your stuff will be when we can actually go to places again. Yeah, and the new building would be. Uh, we're going to throw a huge party in there. I'm I'm targeting June first. Uh, that's just I'm just going to put that out there for the um, universe to make make happen. Be positive. We can throw some tents outside yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I mean it's a big space, and you know, will half of us be vaccinated on June first? I keep watching my emails, waiting for my approval for through my insurance company. So maybe someday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. I'm still pumped. The show's got me like excited. Yeah. Um, oh, so I wanted to mention, um, if anybody's, you know, I assume a lot of people have um, watched the movies, uh, a lot of listeners or whatever watched the movies because that's not everybody gets to the movies. Um, if, you wanted, the movies. If, if you want to do a little bit of uh, reading um, as you get uh, uh, prepared for the show, uh, Silmarillion is... Um, I got. I was gonna look it up ahead of time. But I forgot. Um, uh, um, Silmarillion is is the the book that was written. It um, was published uh, posthumously by Christopher Tolkien. And Christopher Tolkien died recently, uh, last year. And he um, is son of uh, one of the sons of J.R.R. And he took up the mantle of of the Middle Middle Earth and um, published the Silmarillion based all on. Um, his father's works. One of Tolkien's great flaws, in addition to not not being very woke, is that he um, uh, wrote the same name of a character many times uh, differently and had different stories and backgrounds to them. So there's no real authority for a lot of um, the stories of um, Middle-earth, uh, except for what to- uh, Christopher Tolkien created. So huh. it's great to read Silmarillion because it's, you know, Tolkien wrote thousands and thousands and thousands of pages and you can read it all if you want to, but it's dumb. The Silmarillion um, is um, whatever, like 250 pages or something. Um, but there is, it's super hard to get through because 365, a page a day. Great. So it's, it's very hard to get through because it's um, largely free of um, uh, like any sort of conversation or action. It's reads more like, just like uh encyclopedia page so it can be tough to uh it's not a page turner by any means there are sections of it that are really exciting but you know 75 percent of it's boring to read from a literary perspective um but there's a great uh if you google silmarillion primer um there's a dude named jeff lasala who's a pretty heavy um a lord of the rings nerd and he uh breaks down each chapter of the Silmarillion in plain English and he he's um he's funny um he's very serious about sticking to canon but he throws in like absurdities into his um explanation of the chapter regularly um so as you're reading it it's like uh oh and then Sauron cooked a pepperoni pizza and you know he didn't cook a pepperoni pizza because it's not what Sauron would do um (laughs) But it keeps it lively, and, and um, it's very fun to read. So if you're reading the Silmarillion, get a tablet device and get a, a second tablet device or a book, Silmarillion over here, and the Silmarillion primer. Read and chapter the, the, one here, and then read chapter one here. Hmm, and then read chapter so two here. And then it looks chapter. like the primer is actually all available for free on Tor.com. 
Yes, exactly. It's just uh, a, he just said a bunch of. It's just every chapter is an essay. It's exactly. It's a. It's the world's biggest blog post, and it's almost as many words in the Jeff Lasalle's primer as it is in the Silmarillion. So if it took you a half an hour to read this chapter, it's going to take you a half an hour to read what the hell just happened that you just read. Um, so it doubles the amount of time it takes you to read the Silmarillion, but it's totally crucial. I would not recommend that you just read the Silmarillion primer by itself. Um, you can kind of read some really your eyes might glaze over some of the sections a little bit and then you go read Jeff LaSalle's version it's like it all I, makes sense I do like some I, of his, some of his chapter was, titles <laughs> yeah I was totally. literally about to ask I'm like what if I just read the primary will I still pass the test <laughs> yeah I mean you can do that too it's totally fine yeah totally fine but I if, if you want to read the summary I guess the better way to look at it if you want to read the summary don't read it alongside the summary and primer if you don't want to do anything just watch the show and it'll be a lot of fun I wonder how many hours that would take to do both. Yeah, I, I was I had a I had a habit of doing one chapter a night both ways. Um, I mean, as I was in bed, so maybe forty five minutes. What are your hour. What are your thoughts on the unfinished tales book? And do you think they're going to pull from that for the show too? Yeah, unfinished tales are unfinished because they're like oftentimes they're like versions of stories that are published in the Silmarillion, like contradictory versions sometimes. Um, or sometimes there's just straight up backstory. So like people who complain about the Hobbit being three movies when it's only like a 45 page book, that's true. But there, there's also a, they're pulling in a bunch of stuff from like the appendices of Lord of the Rings and stuff from unfinished tales. So it's all, it's all canon, but he just kind of brought it in there to make a longer story. So, um, yeah, I, I like, I, I have, uh, I keep that one. When I read Silmarillion, dude, it's like Silmarillion on one tablet uh silver primer on another tablet i have two amazing encyclopedias that i keep nearby and then oftentimes i'll take a break altogether, read a section of the unfinished tales or um read a section of uh, lord of the rings and then come back to where i was because the guy is just like connecting things uh, you know as you know he's just connecting things together constantly and i'm just trying to envision you like sitting out like on your back porch or whatever and you've got like books open yeah, you've got like the long pipe. You got the Howard Shore music <laughs> playing in the background. You got a tankard yeah. of ale, and you're just turning a page and then turning this page, and just puffs of ring coming out. And it's a good image. It's pretty cool looking. Yeah, and I I wear glasses. They're not here. I wear glasses when I read, and I look pretty like um, different. <laughs> so it's like now the uh, lauder lauder professor. <laughs> But you don't have to do any reading. If you just want to watch, if you if you just, if you like the Peter Jackson stuff, I have every expectation you're going to like the Amazon stuff. Just freaking watch the show. You don't have to get all dorky about it. I'm sure that the Amazon folks are going to do a great job welcoming people into the Second Age. Right. I mean, because I'll admit, like I really, really like the movies, and I have read The Hobbit a couple of times. I've read Lord of the Rings, I think, just once, and. Uh, his writing style is really hard to get down with because he kind of writes like an old British history professor. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally, totally. Yeah. And so like, yeah. there's always references like, I mean, I don't, I, I know a lot and I come across a word even in Lord of the Rings sometimes. I'll come across a word that I don't know or I, I barely know and I have to bring out my encyclopedia to figure out what the heck's going on. So he doesn't reward casual uh, aficionados, but I'm sure that the, the show people are going to reward the, the, the casual. Right watcher someday if we were ever to get TV. like you know yeah because they're yeah. revenue driven yeah. mm-hmm. 
a pipe dream of mine is just watching you and Stephen Colbert nerd out for like a half hour together. I like I'm not, not debate, just just watch you two go. Oh, and then and then yeah, yeah. My daughter asked me the other day. She was writing an essay for school, and she said, "How many times have you read Lord of the Rings?" I said, "I guessed between eight and ten. And she said, um, "She said, how many people in Portland do you think know as much as you about Lord of the Rings?" And I had to pause for a moment there, and I'm, I know I'm not number one for sure. Uh, but am I, I top ten? I'm probably top ten. I don't know. So I've got a lot of nerdy friends, and no one, none of them, come close to your your fandom for Lord of the Rings. Well, you know, I was actually looking at um, some theonering.net, which is like the portal, the hub for a lot of fans, and I was looking at some some like chats. I don't go to that chat world of, of there, but the chats are like full of like old people. I think I'm probably the youngest. <laughs> <laughs> giant lotter nerd uh everybody has to be older than me i don't know why that is i think because you, you read it when you were a kid and i i didn't read it until i was in my 20s but um <laughs> the one ring chat rooms just look like the merch hall of oricon <laughs> yeah yeah like everyone that? got crazy that's the sound of me never getting invited as a guest to oricon ever again <laughs> you think that <laughs> do you want that? yeah i actually had fun when i was a guest I would never go on a podcast and talk about Lord of the Rings with Lord of the Rings nerds. Put it that way, because they're not—they're not, not going to be I very will fun. Say, I um, one of my old staff members was probably twenty-eight. Big time Lord of the Rings fan. Awesome. Marathon yeah. every year and super like will relate anything back to Lord of the Rings if you let her. Nice. I, we should start a, a young person's Lord of the Rings fan club. <laughs> YP Lauder. Yeah. YA. Yeah, YP be like your problems, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Which does sound like a cool podcast. Mm. Um although speaking of the marathon, okay, Nat, is there do you just watch them all when you feel like it, or do you're like, no, this is this holiday, this is my Lord of the Rings watch day? Uh we don't uh, my daughter and I watch the movies together. We don't watch them without each other. And um we just finished the marathon like uh, two weeks ago. And for the first time in many years, we did one movie a night. Uh, for some reason, we just weren't feeling like sitting down for 14 hours. So we just <laughs> did one what? a night. Oh, that's actually the first time I watched them since I have read. Uh, well, I've read Silmarillion like three times, but the first two times I read it was long ago. But after I sat down and really did the Silmarillion, First time I watched the movies, and I had a greater appreciation for the movies having read the Silmarillion. That's cool. I I think that uh, being homebound due to COVID, um, you either go one way or the other as far as a uh, wanting to marathon things. Because mm. if you go, oh yeah, we should totally do this. Like it's one thing to marathon all of those movies in fourteen hours on a single day when the rest of your week is populated with you're here, you're there, you're here, you're there. Right. You're always active and out doing things. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, let's just sit and watch this for 14 hours. It'd be great. Yeah. But when, you know, you're at home all day, it's like, let's just, let's just watch one. And yeah. if I sit here, then I'm never going to do anything else today. It's and interesting. Yeah. We didn't, we, I, 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 we probably subconsciously had the exact same thought that you mm -hmm. just described there. It's Please weird. That. To, I... Hmm? Sorry, but oh, no, that was, it's, I, I agree. Like it's, I am definitely like feeling the urge to be more physically active in my downtime because I've had 
so much downtime mm. over the past year. Professional downtimer. Mm-hmm. It's. Mm. I, I think about it a lot because I encounter people at Guardian. So it, it's like, oh, you were, you were just here because you needed to be somewhere else than your house mm. for one day this week. Uh, I get it. You need to get out. Mm-hmm. It's like, but you still can't stay here because <laughs> there's still a pandemic. Cable, I, so speaking of Guardian, it got me wondering, you know, the, mm-hmm. the Tolkien family is, they're pretty um, possessive about the rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there has not been a lot of uh, Lord of the Rings games, um, you know, as much as some other franchises might have games. Do you anticipate that the Amazon show will, in, will encourage um, more, more horse trading to come up with some more? Because I can't, I can't think of a really, as a Lord of the Rings fan and as a, g- a gaming fan, I can't think of a, a good Lord of the Rings game. It seems like they're few and far between, um, and I don't, I don't know if the show will will help, uh, kind of bring that about. Um, I know the biggest. Uh, Lord of the Rings game right now is Lord of the Rings Journeys to Middle Earth or mm. Journeys in Middle Earth, which is technically a board game, um, but it's it's a large format board game with some miniatures and it's campaign driven, like Descent um, style or Gloomhaven, kind of that. I think a little leaning more towards Gloomhaven, less towards Descent, but okay. but similar. It's I mean the similarities to Descent is fair since it's also produced by Fantasy Flight. Mm. Um, and Fantasy Flight has held the, like, has been one of the companies that has consistently held uh, the rights to produce any Lord of the Rings material because they had the mm. living card game, mm-hmm. which they're still producing product for, but it they've cycled through everything that they were going to make. So there's no new product coming out. There's just existing product being reprinted. Mm. Um, yeah, other, like... I know Games Workshop has a miniatures tabletop game for it. They have the War of the Ring miniature game, right? Is that them? War of the Ring is actually Ares. It's a different company, and it's still technically a board game. Whereas the Lord of the Rings miniatures game by Games Workshop is Warhammer only with Lord of the Rings Mm. characters. Mm. Interesting. So no Blood God. No. I just wonder if there's going to be a commercialization of Lord of the Rings like there, um, you know, with, with the Amazon show. We may see more of that um, once the Amazon show comes out, but that, that usually ends up being uh, Lord of the Rings branded Monopoly, Lord of the mm. Rings branded yeah. Clue, and mm. those, nobody cares. I mean, they right. care. They buy them because they think they're going to be worth something. <laughs> here's, a, here's a secret, folks. Nobody wants your collector licensed Monopoly. Nobody. Hey, Nobody wants I'm it. Just, no one wants remember, it. I remember Beanie Babies. Wait, I'm not going to retire on my episode one Phantom Menace limited edition Monopoly. Oh, good Lord, no. No. If if it's still sealed mint in box, open the goddamn thing and play with it. No, I didn't. Actually, that's kind of an insult because limited edition uh, versions of Monopoly are like, what, $65? Yes. Because so, of the, my, the license. Mm. And they're limited because everybody, the publisher knew they couldn't sell very many of them. 
Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I only bought it for like literally just two dorky reasons. I had nothing to do with Monopoly because I hate Monopoly. A, I bought it because they were the same size miniatures you could use in a role-playing game. And they were actual like sturdy metal miniatures. Um, Wait, what game is this? Your name was? The Phantom Menace Monopoly. Phantom Menace. <laughs> um, and then all of the money was in the Arabesh, which was mm-hmm. pretty fucking cool. That's um, cool. Yeah, and it had a 500 and 1,000 credit token that didn't show Monopoly money anything. It looked like it was like early Imperial money. And I was like, oh, I want that. And then I just used it in Star Wars role-playing games. I never played Monopoly ever. And that's that's worthwhile to get things mm-hmm. like that from. So far, I think that one of the best licensed uh, product big box game that I've seen that I'm like, oh, that would actually be fun is Dungeons & Dragons Clue. It's fun. Clue? It, oh, it cool. adds yeah. a few D&D elements to it to kind of throw you off the regular mm-hmm. game. So you're not in the in the mansion. You're in like different parts of a dungeon or something, yeah. right? Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah and basically it'd be like a like a a non campaign style RPG game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I I think the the character on the front cover happens to be uh, oh what are those called tieflings? Mm-hmm. Right, it's a tiefling yeah. character. Yeah. Interesting. Now I'm wondering. Clue. What was that mean? Never played Clue. I think it's pretty fun if you're like 14. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, I, like, it, there's a reason. There's a Monopoly, it's, right? It, yeah, it's fun. It's way it's better than Monopoly. <laughs> um, I think but it's would, not as fun as like the movie, right? Nothing is as no, fun as the movie because it doesn't have Tim Curry. <laughs> I hope, and it's or never going to happen. They're never, ever, ever going to get to put out the official... Like the Clue board game using the actors from the movie. Mm, clue version, Clue. That, yeah, that's not it, true. When when they're all dead, they'll be able to use. Oh, who's who's I'm holding sorry. it up? I am just imagining it's a weird rights thing, and maybe they just think it's not worth it. But could you imagine if? Well, they don't exist anymore. But remember how Think Geek used to like basically will their April Fools items into existence by making mm. it, and they're like, oh my god, if like. Eight years ago, Think Geek did the Clue version of Clue. Like, I feel like, what was it, Parker Brothers or whatever? And the stu- they, like, they would have had no choice but to, like, oh, fuck, we got to pay for all the license <laughs> rights because this is just money we're leaving on the table. Parker Brothers, Kenner, uh, all, all of those companies, none of them exist. It's all Hasbro. That's right. It's all Hasbro now. Yeah. Hasbro bought all of them. I think Unilever owns Hasbro, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have their own monopoly. Mm. Yay! Now I'm wondering, could you do a version of Betrayal with Lord of the Rings, like Betrayal at Helm's Deep? Um, <laughs> uh, well, no, it, it would have to be a Betrayal at I don't know because you've got to get everyone together for a reason. I guess you don't have to. I'm giving too much thought to betrayal at the house on the hill. Um, no, it the the license doesn't lend lend itself to the theme of the game. Yeah, it doesn't. Unlike Star Trek, Clue, damn it. Clue it doesn't convert over to betrayal. No, no, Lord of the Rings into betrayal. Oh, okay. I was like, I totally see that. I'm like putting it together in my mind right now. 
Yeah, you can like, do some characters, but not all the characters. All the good characters. Like, it, it would... You could do a betrayal in Hobbiton, and it would be... Everything would be someone stole someone else's yeah, pork yeah. pie. Like, uh, <laughs> it would either be very wholesome or incredibly... It would be darker than anyone would be comfortable with. Murdering Hobbits. Yep. The the answer to whoever stole the pork pie is always going to be Miriam Pippin. Yes, basically. Yeah. Although now I want to design like a very charming game that all revolves around like some kind of Hobbit festival where it's all about making the best beer or making the best pie or growing the biggest potatoes. Mm. But you're all kind of like you know charmingly trying to backstab each other. I feel like there are there are games out there that exist that could easily um, you could imprint the the license of yeah uh, like Lord of the Rings get, on top of you imprint what's that game sushi where you're trying to build the best like sushi go sushi go or there's a bento go we're trying to build the best bento box and mm. or am I confusing there's sushi go sushi yeah. go party and sushi roll which is sushi go with dice instead of cards bento is the video game one well there you go but but yes like there are other cooking cooking games or just uh gathering games that you can put together like there there's the game tiny towns which is uh tile placement and it, it, once you put certain tiles together it gives you a different tile and you get little houses um, that would be creating your own shire like yeah. your own neighborhood in the shire that would be great uh, and people would buy that there hasn't been a settlers of middle earth yet mm, although work. Catan doesn't license out to very many properties do they not that I can the think of the only licensed property that Catan does is Star Trek. Which is actually pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Mm. I had no idea. Yeah, uh, they add a few other extra elements to it. There's Star Trek, Catan, and then the expansion to that is the Federation. Um, and people who play it are like, oh yeah, it's great because it's Catan, but it's also still different. It's very Star Trek. Yeah. So I think that's the, the only thing that keeps it afloat. I also still wonder if all of the Green Bay Packers still play Catan in the locker room. They might. It's one of my favorite stories. Oh, like they switch with... to Fortnite or something? Oh, that would kind of bum me out if they did. That would be. That would be depressing. Mm. Well, Nat, then thanks for nerding out. Oh, yeah. You can hang out more because we're going to talk about... Uh, do you watch the Marvel movies and stuff? I I have watched the Marvel movies. I have not like watched WandaVision. That's because that's what we're going to dive into. If you want to yeah. hang out, listen to us. That's cool. If you don't want spoilers, no, I got I got dinner uh, smelling downstairs, and, and we Ooh. are planning on watching One Division, so I'll hold that one. Oh yeah, all right. Well, man, thank you so much having you on. Absolutely. As always, it's great. Yeah, maybe I'll come back uh, whenever that new the new first episode comes out, and we can yes. hyperventilate about that one. Oh, yeah. that I feel like great. we should just have you start covering it. I I will be happy to be. I'll be the roving uh, Lord of the Rings reporter for the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or we can set it up. We'll get you a nice big high back chair. We'll put you in your cider house. It's my long we'll like, pipe, like a snifter in a pipe, and then we'll just like, no, we go to we go to Nat's corner of Middle Earth. You could be like, let's review yeah. this week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like masterpiece theater, but for nerds. Oh yeah, yeah, and like four people will pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> no.
That'll be awesome. And this time. Yeah. Oh, the three of you plus one more. Yeah. Exactly. Plus Norm. Norm. Plus Norm. Thanks, yeah. Norm. Love you, Norm. All right, Nat. Well, thank All you. Right. Go eat your dinner. Goodbye, y'all. Thanks for the opportunity. Talk yeah. to you later. Always great. Bye. 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 As we say goodbye to RevNet and thanking him for popping on the show this week, this is a perfect time to talk about our sponsors. First up, of course, is Guardian Games. They have been our longest sponsor back before this was just a uh, just a written blog way, way back in the day. Guardian Games has been there. And if any of the games we talked about, you know, that are kind of connected to, to Lord of the Rings or Tolkien's work or some of the other games that we think could be, you know, applied to some of uh, Lord of the Rings uh, or some of Tolkien's work. If any of that sounds interesting to you, well, you can find all of it at Guardian Games. So check them out, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. Um, Yep, they are are open and waiting for your business. They still have, as everyone should be, they have a lot of COVID protocols in effect. You have to sanitize your hands as you walk in. You must wear a mask covering your mouth and your nose. Um, and then, yeah, check out some of the games you want there and then head on out knowing that you are helping a local business, uh, with amazing people who work there and, uh, then you're going to have some fun with some games. Uh, in addition to a lot of the, uh, the Tolkien games or, you know, Tolkien inspired games that are there, they've got in a whole bunch of new big box addiction, (laughs) additions of some of your favorite board games. So check it out. As soon as you walk in, there's always that fun little new release table that I love to peruse and just see the dozens of new games and expansions that seem to come out on a weekly basis. Guardian Games have them all. So please, check them out, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. You can also find them at guardiangames.com. No matter how you find them, please thank them for being a sponsor of Geek in the City Radio. Just like our next uh, friendly advertiser, Bridge City comics. So we're about to cover the first two episodes of WandaVision. Um, If you want to know where this all really, really started, then you need to get yourself over to Bridge City Comics over at 3725 North Mississippi Avenue in Portland, Oregon. They are going to have all of those great Marvel comics that kicked off the WandaVision show and inspired what you are probably enjoying now. In fact, without the comics, you wouldn't have any of the MCU. So, you know, How about you go to where it all started, go to what continues to sustain the now movies and TV shows that you love. Without the comics, you don't get the shows, you don't get the movies. So go on there, uh, BridgeCityComics.com. And also, check out their Facebook page, Facebook.com forward slash BridgeCityComics, because they have yet again, they have been nominated for the best comic book shop in Portland for families and kids by the uh, PDX Parent Picks. So uh, check out that link there on their site. And show them some love and help them win again as the best comic book shop for kids in PDX Parent Picks. That's a lot of peas that hopefully I didn't pop. <laughs> and uh, also thank them for sponsoring Geek in the City Radio, which we're going to get back to right here. So, unless you watch this on YouTube, you missed how many times Nat had like this giddy nerd face when he was describing certain parts of what could be happening. Like he looked genuinely he was- giddy. He was very, very into into this. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited for him. Yeah. I'm curious. Uh, how, do, how many listeners are now listening to the show on YouTube? Um, well, like watching Fine. it as we record and we average between eight and 12, which I know is not the greatest number ever. It's fine. But, um, but 
I'm able to kind of see because, um, yeah, I'm able to see a little bit like numbers and it, like, I think people go back later. Yeah. I, I'm thinking more of the recorded episodes, <laughs> not that how many people listen live. I don't care how many people are here. I, the, I recognize the names that come up every week and it's great. And I love these people. Right. I have actually been tempted. So like on the Patreon, I just put the podcast up for free, mm-hmm. but I've been tempted instead of the, instead of the, just the audio file of putting the video up as the Patreon content. Mm-hmm. Do they, so. do, don't they stay on YouTube or no, because they're live. So they're only no, they do there. stay on YouTube. Yeah, that's, that's why if you go to the Geek and City Radio channel on YouTube now, it's now like 80% episodes mm-hmm. and like 20% my random review of like Star Trek ships and back when I was reviewing a cider a week. Mm. But it, it's the majority are now episodes on there, yeah. Yeah, so. We probably should have been doing these on the Geek in the City account. The, the uh, show account. It doesn't have one. YouTube belongs to Google, so it, like you would auto, it would automatically exist. Well, what do you mean on the account then? This is this is your personal YouTube channel. Or yeah, but it's or whatever. But it says Geek in the City, so it's it's it doesn't say Aaron Duran. It never has. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Wait, it does. Yes, yeah. oh, my God, subscription damn. for this says Aaron Duran. Well, then maybe we'll create one for. <laughs> but that's what she's pointing out is because oh. it's owned by I Google. It... There is a gener- auto-generated one for that title. It. It's... Yeah, if you have a Gmail account, you automatically have a YouTube account under the same. Oh. Thing. It just sits unused until you actually use it, and then mm-hmm. you have. Then it's fine. Well, look at me not knowing the internet. Maybe we'll start that next week. We've also talked about looking into Twitch, so we'll see. I know. That's true. Which might be cooler. It would be cooler. I don't really know anything about Twitch, so that's the thing. That hence where my old man internet. I was like, I don't get Twitch. I don't. I get watching it. I have tried streaming to it before, and it. I don't understand why I need to have some weird third party software to do what Twitch allegedly does automatically. Who knows? At, All the cool kids are on Twitch. And yeah, I know. Kids, I know Merrick is on Twitch. I don't. Yeah, know. I feel like I just need to buy Merrick a couple of dark beers. And we sit six feet apart, and she says, "Okay, now this button here, push that one." Okay. Now this button, okay. Once, because once I do it once, I'll remember how to do it. Mm-hmm. Have her, you could have her. You could ask her to do it with you over Zoom. Screen share. That's true. And then you Jamie can, Jeans reminds us that and... Twitch is. Um, very stickler about music copyright as YouTube is, but yeah, but we don't we don't really need. We have music our own anymore. theme song now. We do have yeah, our own theme do, song. We, and we don't, and we don't use any background music. Yeah, we don't do any of that. Yeah, no, we get to do whatever we want with that theme song, Woo! except repackage it and sell it as something we wrote. Yeah, no. I have no interest in doing that, so I think we're fine. Right? No, no, it's totally us singing, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, that's me on the bass. Boom, 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 that's boom, me boom. on um that other instrument that's in it. <laughs> a guitar. Yeah, actually, you know which one's me? <laughs> that's Aaron on the clap. Oh fuck! 
Nicely done, Duran. I'm going to sign off, you guys. It's your show now. Okay. Y'all talk about WandaVision. No, go ahead. No, go ahead and talk about WandaVision. I'm just going to sit back here and, you know, no longer give myself Fold in on yourself. Yep. Go ahead. WandaVision came out Friday. All right. So let's talk WandaVision briefly. If anyone has in, in the chat that we're listening on the podcast has not watched it yet, skip ahead to the end because uh, we'll probably have some spoilers. Spoilers? Yeah. Spoilers hmm? safe, I'm sorry. Yeah, you never know. Okay, where to begin? So the the inaugural week for WandaVision had two episodes rather than just one. Uh, I have a theory as to why, but um, I have a couple of theories, actually. But... Uh, well, it, let's let's hear them before we move on. Um, one has to do with it's in the same time time slot as Mandalorian, and I think Mandalorian and ended, and one division was probably maybe supposed to have started a week ahead, and something got screwed up with the timing because of COVID, so they went, uh, we're starting late. Let's just put two episodes in one and call it good. Mm. Um, yeah, because it wasn't like it felt like it needed. It wasn't felt like it was like a one-hour pilot. Like they were two distinct episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the other is that uh, the way the first episode plays, it plays so straight that if you have no foreknowledge of what the Marvel Cinematic Universe is, which I don't, you would have had to have been born like last year not to know. <laughs> Uh, literally not born last year. Um, the the episode just plays as this very straightforward black and white sitcom with no real sense of nothing is, uh, this isn't real. Um, the, you get more of that in the second episode. So it's like, I think they went... We need to give people a little bit more so we we keep that hook. I don't I don't think it was needed because I was hooked after the first episode. But man, I, I can also see where an executive went. Do two of them. It's fine. I don't care. I I agree with Disney. the latter one. It's it helps really establish that like what you saw in the first episode is not the whole show. There is mm-hmm. a there is a metamorphosis that is going to continue. So let's go ahead and throw a second episode in there, so you are clear on that as the watcher. Even though it's very obvious that there is a lot of different things, clearly in a lot of different eras happening. If you watch any of the trailers, and how did you make it this far? Decide to watch Wandavision if you haven't even seen a trailer. I don't know that I've nah, I've seen a teaser of Wandavision, but I, don't, I didn't watch a former trailer. Mm-hmm. Of course, I also just went. Yeah, I'm going to watch this. I think it's also become pretty popular, uh, especially uh, on streaming networks. I, I guess I don't know about broadcast television, but it's becoming more popular when a series premieres to drop two to three episodes uh, when you drop the first episode um, to just really, really hook people, I think. Mm-hmm. They did it with uh, this season's Expanse. And I mean, like, who isn't already like committed <laughs> But they dropped like three episodes. Three, yeah. If you're watching this season, if you're ready to watch their newest season right now, I don't think anyone needs to lump sum you some episodes to make sure that you become invested. You're already invested. Sure. 
Um, I'm not mad at that though. I'm not mad at it because you just, it, you just get to take in that much more of it uh, right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Good old instant gratification. Yeah. <clears throat> I am glad it's weekly. As much as I love binging, I like having time to process. I really don't like binging. The only time I will binge a show is if I'm using it as background noise so that I can get other work done. Sure. But if I'm going to sit and watch, I much prefer like an episode or two at a time, and that's pretty much it. Three is pushing it, depending on how long the episodes are. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to say I don't like binging because I binge a lot of things, but I do agree that it is a better experience when you are, when they're doled out individually so that you have time to talk them over before you move on to the next one and let it sink in. And like I said, I rewatched those episodes again today. Um, and you pick up on new stuff and you, by then you've maybe like read a couple articles and there's some stuff that you missed and now you get to appreciate the second time around. And there's just not really room for that if you're, if you're just consuming them all in a row. So with Vet and Wend, what are our takes on WandaVision? Uh, I'll start. <laughs> yeah, go. Um, I love it. I... Watching the second episode, which was basically Bewitch, mm-hmm. I ended up having a five-minute um, info dump on my husband because he was like, oh, yeah, it's, it's even their same floor plan with that staircase in the middle. I'm like, no, no, let me tell you. In Derek and, Darren and Samantha's house, the door is here, the stairs are here, the living room is like this, like this, and the dining room's over here, and then you can't see it, but the kitchen's over here, and I just pointing out like all of the intricacies about how they're different, even though they're theoretically meant to be the same mm-hmm. and just watching like all of the Dick Van Dyke kind yeah. of homage pieces <clears throat> and just like all of the different elements from the, just those two eras of television that they've covered in in that small amount of time was really nostalgic and enjoyable. And like you were saying, Cable, it's they play it really, really straight. It's not mm-hmm. it's not satire. It's you know, they're not having they're not having a laugh at the cultural history of American television. It it really does feel like a true homage and recreation. And mm-hmm. I really, really appreciate that. And yet while they're not poking fun at it, they are pointing out that when tropes are occurring going the the whole thing about the vision going but what is it that we exactly that we do here mm-hmm. and at the same time when they are making fun of those tropes they're also using that as a a peek behind the curtain i mean mm-hmm. like like i said like you watch even just the first episode and you know that Something's not right. And that in and of itself is a really classic trope where the heroes have been trapped by the villain in this fantasy world that's like everything they ever wanted if they just didn't have to be superheroes and like thinking about the greater good all the time. The greater good. good. (laughs) Um, You know, and then like slowly they start to realize, wait, something's not right. And then eventually they get the realization, oh, this is, I've been trapped here. This isn't real. 
oh, but how wonderful this is. And I could just stay here if I really wanted to. But that already, the foil of the show is a trope itself. And now they're in this, you know, mid-century era, or for now, uh, place setting. And they're able to take jokes, like classic jokes from those eras, and use them to, to show you what's really going on. Mm-hmm. Like just the fact that like they, <clears throat> they don't know their own history with each other but they're supposed to be sitting here having a dinner party and, you know, talking about their relationship. Yeah. Yep. Or not understanding how to fit in with the, like the neighborhood. What the heck even are they? It's some sort of neighborhood committee for for organizing. One of the many busybody committees that at least we've been told existed during that era. I mean, it was all white people. So of course they did. (laughs) It was like next door, but in person. The God. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I... <sighs> so I, I want to bring up a couple dates real quick, just so that we have reference, because I'll, I'll talk about this. Um, the Dick Van Dyke Show uh, was aired from 1961 to 1965. Bewitched aired from 1964 to 1972. Go ahead, Aaron. And Sorry. of course, like Bewitched started in black and white and ended in color. Uh huh. Uh huh. Although, what were the what were the um, the times that those shows were supposed to be taking place in? Their current time, or were they? They were set in modern time. Yeah, they were set. Yeah, yeah. For their modern era, right? Gotcha. Um, Nineteen sixty-one was still definitely the height of fifties era this is what normal communities are like. This is what people are like. This is what families are like. Um, the pop culture had not updated. Correct. Right. And I think that's why the second episode, we get them going from twin beds to sharing a bed. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, Cause I think. <clears throat> um, I think the Lucille ball show was the first one to show. Maybe not. They had separate beds. They, had, you know what? It might have been the of all things. It might have been the fucking Flintstones. It might have been. I could not picture their bedroom. So. I love Lucy was nineteen fifty one and nineteen fifty seven. Yeah. <clears throat> so I can guarantee you they were they were still separate beds, even though they had a kid. Same with the Dick Van Dyke show. The Dick Van Dyke show, they showed the bedroom frequently and it was always uh, two separate beds. Just like the second episode of WandaVision. Right. I thought you were going to say just like the president. (laughs) I heard a thing today where, um, you know, there's not going to be a walkthrough. And uh, and they pointed and they they were talking about it. And at some point they pointed out and the Bidens will share a bedroom. So that means they're going to have to restructure all of that because oh. <laughs> the Trumps have separate bedrooms. Yeah. Okay. So being really nerdy really quick. <laughs> mm-hmm. So in 1947, there was a 15-minute program called Mary Kay and Johnny. They were real-life uh, husband and wife couple. They shared a bed, but it was not a very well-long show. Um. The Flintstones were technically first, but their eligibility is not considered by the Censor Bureau because they weren't real. Right. Okay. Um, It's like the first interracial kiss. 
So it would be okay. Apparently, the ones that had quote real people sharing a bed were the Munsters. Nineteen sixty-four. Yep. Yep. Okay. Next, and the next big thing was how many times he could show a bathroom, which apparently people love to point out that the Brady Bunch had six separate bedrooms for the kids and only one bathroom. Anyway, going down a weird hole there. Now I want to know what happened in 1964 because the Adams Family, the Munsters, and Bewitched all came out in 1964. Well, the the Munsters were a were a attempt to copycat the Adams Family. But fair, but what what was going on? In 1964 and in Culturally. 1963, that made us, yeah, made Hollywood go. You know what we need to do is put more horror into TV, but make it funny. I don't know. That's a really good question, and now I want to do a deep dive on that. I know. Sidebar: yeah. uh, Bex in the chat is saying that they kind of want to see a Dream of Genie episode of WandaVision, which I agree would be a lot of fun. But I bet they had a kind of a. a coin toss between uh, I Dream of Genie style versus Bewitched and they ended up with Bewitched. Right. Well, I think it's because I Dream of Genie was always in color, I think. And, yeah, I Dream mm-hmm. of Genie started the, a year later. It was yeah. 1965. America um, is also hoping for I Dream of Genie. Uh, a, little, a little I Dream of Genie homage next week. Yeah. Or, or this and they week. could get two different actors to play Vision. <laughs> Um, that would be that was uh that no, was No, that was bewitched, you're right. Yeah. Damn it. I Taryn I, York, Dick Sargent. Well, yeah, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dick Sergeant York. York. Dick's a, two dicks. No, they were both dicks. The character's name was Dick. That's right. Um I think my one of my favorite moments came from episode two, where we got to see Paul Bettany go all the way back to his performance from A Knight's Tale for the drunk vision <laughs> moments mm-hmm. on stage. That was, oh, man. Who was he in that? Have you a, seen a, a Knight's Tale? When it first came out, how long ago was that? 20 years he, ago. That's when Chaucer. I saw it. He was Chaucer. He was um, Heath Ledger's hype name. Yeah. Oh, Okay. That's why I was so excited when he got yeah. cast to play Vision. I'm like, oh yeah, he's great. I love Paul Bettany. <laughs> right on. I'm going to have to watch that again. Yeah. I, I wanted to watch it immediately after watching that episode. I'm like, oh, I want to watch Night Seal. No. <laughs> I, still, I still do because it's funny. But yeah, his, uh, his performance where he was like drunk. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there, there's so many. Um... I like the little nod to um, the Grim Reaper, the Marvel villain Grim Reaper. Oh. There's been know. a couple of times where you have seen his that weird four that four pronged helmet of his. Um, it's been under the floorboards of their house a couple of times when she's looking. Really? Under the floorboards. Yeah. You, uh, you have to go back and check it out. Yeah, it, it, it you got to really like watch it slow and then pause shit. I but that's only that extra weird because a it was a Wanda and Vision villain from the sixties or whatever. But in the Vision miniseries, Vision's wife Virginia kills the Grim Reaper and buries them in the backyard. 
So it's kind of a neat little thing there. Uh, the ads. The ads. Uh, the ads are great. There's the one for the toaster. I wanted to, I, I started getting so mad at that one. Is your <laughs> husband tired of you burning his toast? I'm like, well, then you have to eat a dick. You would have done well in the 60s. Yeah. No, I would not have. <laughs> um, I, I found it fascinating that that was the first, that ad was actually the first moment where they showed something was wrong because that's the only bit in that episode where there's color. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The red light flashing on the toaster, it's like, nope, nope, that's not okay. The stark I toaster. didn't realize that either mm-hmm. of the times I watched it. Uh, the- I saw it right away. I'm like, oh, I don't like that. But they, remember- it takes way too long, and then they, like, they cut to the housewife, and she just looks at you. Mm-hmm. Same with the watch. The watch ad, which uh, um, Christian pointed out to me, the name of the, the brand is another, is another Marvel uh, villain. Oh, At, yeah, because the Hydra symbol was on the watch. Yes. Well, he's the character that in the movies gave Wanda and her brother their powers. Mm-hmm. Oh. Like activated Carl, her genes. Yeah, At Carl the end Strucker. of the ad, you hear the watch, you know, like the, the second hand ticking on the watch, and then it starts ticking faster and louder. Yep, to match the beeping of the toaster. Oh, damn it. Uh, I'm going to have to watch it again again. Uh, what I didn't know that Merrick went to me, uh, she's like, did you read the miniseries Avengers Standoff? And I'm like, no, don't know that one at all. She's like, laid out the plot. And I'm like, oh, okay. Because she thinks that's what we're watching right now is an adaptation of Avengers Standoff. Okay. Right? Um, as well as being a, a some something of an ad- adaptation of the Tom King Vision series, right? I also liked in the uh, this ep- episode the animated intro. Mm-hmm. You know how normally we get the moon with Bewitched. Mm-hmm. Well, we got that in this one, but I think it was a pretty obvious nod to Thanos and the Infinity Stones. It's one giant, and then six tiny circles around it, and then it goes one division. God, I missed that. They're yep. putting in all kinds of super nerdy Easter eggs. Like, like okay, <clears throat> I have a weird knowledge of like 60s and 70s era Marvel, which is really Go weird. ahead. So, okay. So in Marvel, there, uh, there's a character named uh, Boba, which is this weird humanoid cow. The humanoid cow is who ends up giving birth to Wanda and Vision's twins in the comic. Um, so Boba the Cow works for a character named Herbert, who is the high evolutionary of Marvel, and they have a neighbor named Herb. I think we're, I think they're actually working in a lot of Wanda's broken history from the comics also to show that she is tapping into the multiverse. Mm-hmm. You know, like DC has Power Girl, Marvel has Wanda in terms of past that are like, what the fuck? That have been mm-hmm. rewritten over and over and over again. And she's done her own rewriting as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you see that at the end of the second episode. Oh, when she just goes. like, oh, this isn't what I want. So let's just, let's just cut it, cut it back a couple minutes and uh, yeah. try this again. Yeah, when she just says, no. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, those moments where they break character. Mm-hmm. 
so good. The dinner party is, in particular is is really really good. I I think what sold that dinner party was Deborah Joe Rupp. <laughs> yeah. so fun and everything. She was great. Um, and it was it, it was odd that I was just thinking about Emma Caulfield like a couple weeks ago. Like I haven't seen Emma Caulfield in anything, and here she is in episode two playing Dottie. Emma Caulfield was Anya from Buffy. Oh right. yeah. That's who I recognize that actor. That's who that was. I was like, I recognize this person that is very good at sounding like a kind of busybody PTA kind of judgy person. High on her own power. Um, There were other little things like uh, the the disappearing cabinet. Um, The Mm -hmm. image on the front of the disappearing cabinet is the stone from Vision's head. Right. Um, Which makes me think we're going to get more of that in phase four because I think after Vision or before, mm -hmm. I think Adam Warlock gets that stone eventually in his forehead. And remember Guardians 3 ended with what's her name saying I have created the perfect I have created the perfect founder or whatever. What what are you going to call him? Adam. Mm -hmm. So nerds um and then i really hope the beekeeper is not a reference to hydra but is a reference to aim showing up i i thought it was i, I, I honestly what, did to that it was aim mm-hmm. i really want aim i want because aim so bad because that means proper aim like we have aim but proper aim with the proper beekeeper. aim yeah the crazy because you know you know what AIM means. You know who we're going to get if we get AIM. Mm-hmm. M-O-Doc. M-O-Doc. <laughs> um, oh, ridiculous, but I love M-O-Doc. I will recommend, if you haven't already looked up the cast list on IMDb, don't. Oh, does it give cast or characters away? I made it. Yes, it does. Um, so I'm not going to ruin what, like... It's- because I, I was looking somebody up because I wanted to know the neighbor um, who I now recognize from community, or not community, but uh, Parks and Rec. She was uh, Leslie Nope's um, political advisor when Leslie's running. Oh, for, right. Yeah. Um, because I kept mistaking her for Anna Gasteyer all the time. You know, they're so similar. They, they are. But like... But Anna Gaspar hasn't been in, in a thing in a long time. Yeah, I, I don't know. Whereas Lester Face is in everything. Mm-hmm. But she, like her character's fun, and I know that it's going to turn out that she knows way more. That like she's there to help, kind of keep an eye on Wanda. Mm-hmm. But but she's she's a plant the entire time. Mm. Um, but like I saw one of the other cast members the name they were introduced as and then the name of their actual, their character's actual name. And I'm like, damn it. Yeah. You know what? I didn't take your advice because I had to know, because it doesn't really affect my enjoyment of it. Uh, that's really shitty of IMDb to list that name as their character before the character they're actually fucking mentioned as in the episode. Yep. Like I saw that character, that person. And I thought, I wonder if they could be, huh? And they are. I really want to know, but I don't. Don't spoil it. And well, I don't know. Maybe you'll tell me and it doesn't mean anything to me anyway. But it, No, it will. It, it will 100% no, mean yeah. something to you. Yeah. Um, 
I'll, I'll take your word for it, but I Which know so little about the Marvel I also, universe. The history of that character also mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. Um, okay. I, I yeah, also saw totally. one other cast member. I'm like, interesting. Okay, that's another Marvel character they're bringing back that I didn't expect to see in this show. So, yeah, I saw an act. No, no, anything else becomes a big. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's going to be fun. It, uh, like I enjoy the fact that they are also being very diverse with their cast, mm-hmm. um, despite the era that it's set in. Or it, to more accurately show, it's like no, there were people of color here. We just only showed the white people. I mean. Theoretically, they could have gotten away with, or they they could have tried to get away with, like making it an all white cast at least in the beginning, but because why? it's the, because it's mid century suburbs. But, um, but it's unnecessary, yeah. mm-hmm. and it would been it would have been shitty, you know, to like do it even if they felt justified. So, yeah. so I I'm I think it's going to be fun to see where the rest of these episodes go. Um, the other thing that they have been that they teased both with the ending of both episodes where they pull back to that whatever control room that is mm-hmm. is that the symbol on the corner of a screen and on the on the notebook in front of the TV is the symbol for the agency called sword that came up somewhere else too I think in one of the ads and sword is the uh, sibling organization to shield i wondered i assumed there must have been some sort of connection i figured they weren't yeah. a bad guy problem but were probably mm. connected to shield in some way yeah, which one sword. sword they talked about I the fact that the mm. emblem showed up so mm-hmm. that's also kind of a, <clears throat> I, don't think, I, don't, a I don't really know what sword is but i had ideas logically speaking they did the same thing shield did but only more proactively and it's like oh instead of preparing for the worst we're just going to go find the worst and kill it yeah and mm-hmm. often in space i mean arguments can be made one way or the other mm-hmm. it's a whole another rabbit hole that's probably not worth getting into i, I think that <laughs> yeah. argument was made by fury and steve rogers said no <laughs> If you're going to be a shield, this is not what you do. Right. So, and then he took down three helicarriers. <laughs> that's where it is. It's on the toy helicopter is where the sword logo also yep. appears. That's true. Thanks, Norm. Um, so I was actually like surprised at how much I, I really, really enjoyed it because I was not invested in the idea. I know so little about... Wanda or or Vision besides whatever's in the you know the the big movies mm-hmm. you know I don't you know you know I don't read Marvel um but I I really really enjoyed it and I'm actually like really looking forward to the rest of the series not just as a Marvel story because I I feel like they're there's got they've got some really really good writing especially because they have to do it in these foils that are going to change every week mm-hmm. um can't, but can't also wait because as, as a as a person who was basically raised and lived off of television, it's just hitting so many like good buttons for me, and I'm like really looking forward to see what else they what else they do now, having seen how craftily they have handled it. Mm-hmm. Hey. Mm, what do you 
Because they feel like they're trying, like someone's actually trying to help Wanda. That's on the, the radio. Voice you keep hearing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on the radio. What if? Because I, I keep feeling like they keep hinting like WandaVision and the multiverse is what lets them bring in mutants and the mm-hmm. Fantastic Four. And, and ties like, into um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness mm-hmm. and Spider-Man 3. I would not be surprised if they spring Benedict on us like in the last episode of this series. Yeah, that wouldn't be a surprise at all. Maybe not even Doctor Strange. Like he's he is Doctor Strange, but he's personifying someone else for her. But like, what if she's currently being treated in the St. Teresa Center for Mental Health? Which is like basically Marvel's Arkham Asylum. Which would make sense because like as fun as yeah. all of this is, you still have to take the step back and go, wait, Vision is dead. So who, yeah, so he's not coming this back. this is, isn't the Vision. How did he die? Thanos killed him. In end- okay. Thanos snap? killed him. He was killed. No, no, separately. No, that's he was why killed he pretty snap. Gone. Thank you. I actually yeah. could not remember. I was like, in the movie. Well, yeah, that whole comment in the that exchange in the first episode between Vision and, and uh, Wanda, where he says, "Oh, my wife and her flying saucers," and "Oh, my husband and his indestructible head." It's like, no, his head was destructible. It was one hundred percent destructible. That was the thing that got destructed yeah. by Thanos when he pulled the stone off of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, <clears throat> And the comment of my wife and her flying saucers is I'm like, oh, you mean the flying saucers that were bombarding the area around her when she was killing Thanos? Yeah, I'm trying to remember what happens to her at the end of Endgame. Uh, Does she kind of break there? She got a lot of her immediate rage out on Thanos directly by confronting him. She's like, I don't even know who you are. She's like, you're going to remember. Because then she, yeah. like, she nearly killed him. He had yeah. to fire on his own people in order to make her stop. Yeah. And one could argue that in the movie, she's actually incredibly depowered. Yeah. Which I think is yeah. what the, the purpose of WandaVision is to show exactly how mm-hmm. powerful Wanda actually is. Because Feggy has talked about it. It's like, oh no, if, if that had not been interrupted we would not have gotten to um, Tony Stark making the snap, the Infinity Gauntlet, because Wanda would have killed Thanos. She actually has, she has the power to do it. And then Captain Marvel, and then anyone with the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. I could actually see, like, in her rage, she basically, again, they've, like, depowered for the movies, but, like, all she has to say is no more Thanos. Mm -hmm. If she's in, if her mental state allows it. He's gone. He just doesn't fucking exist anymore. Right. Um, and a little side note really quick. If it is St. Teresa Center for Mental Health, just like to remind folks that uh, within Canon, that hospital is in Portland. Of course it is. Yes, Duly it noted. Is. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the new mutants live in Portland. Um. I'm just like, trying to like parse that all out. If if this is some sort of a fever dream and not some sort of simulation via a villain and tra- villainous entrapment, then 
why is it that Vision doesn't know the same things that she can't remember? Like why, because you know, I a think certain date a, is important or... I think because he's, he's a manifestation of what she wants. But everyone else is... I think that's where it lends itself to it's not a, it's not a fever dream. This is something being done to her. Yeah, that's that's what I assume is that the whole the whole thing is is you know basically a simulation, or you know whether it's like technologically happening or or magically or you know like whatever superpower somebody might have to to force that on her. But um, at, to Aaron's um, hope about the beekeeper being an, uh, a nod to aim. That gives us the three ma- three of the major organizations. So we've seen the symbol for sword. We've now seen the symbol for Hydra. And we have mm. seen if, if the beekeeper is supposed to be AIM, that's three of the the bigger named organizations, all yeah. of which have delved into abducting and creating Simulacra for, yeah. uh, uh, for imprisonment. And I believe... Elizabeth Olsen's actually, I think she sent an interview. She's like, I'm not a hero in this show. So just get ready. Like she said, she's like, don't think that Wanda is like the person who's going to save the day in this. I think, yeah. I, I. That's interesting because the trailers imply that she is. I think the trailers imply that she's the victim. That doesn't necessarily make them the hero. But who then right. will take matters into her own hands to stop bad things from happening? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that sort of lends itself to the idea that this is being done to her is well, not only the the radio thing, where you know what is it? Uh, who's doing this to you? Mm-hmm. Something mm-hmm. like that, right? But also um, just those moments where. Uh, like something isn't fully fleshed out. Like that part of the map hasn't been rendered yet. Um, right. Good uh, ask, asking people questions and they like need a moment to answer, but it's something that they should automatically know. Um, what else? What else? Uh, the fact that like no one can really answer what what Vision's job is, like what the company does really. Mm-hmm. Again, they wrote it in a way that plays into a trope of that era of television, but it's still sort of this thing where, like, how come no one can answer this question? And then, of course, uh, the dinner with the boss where he sort of, like, glitches out and he's like, why? Why are you here? What, you know, like, just, like, like, suddenly freaking out and demanding answers, and then that gets shut down pretty, pretty handily by you know, create, causing him to have bodily distress. Right. And then the wife who is also kind of glitching at the same time, Deborah Jo Rep, like going, stop it, stop it. But she's still sort of like going, hee, 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 like just like silly housewife. Yeah, I, I felt like that was the indication of to, to uh, both Wanda and Vision. It's like, yes, this is yes, this is something that's happening to you. Yes, this is a sim- simulation. Yes, someone else is trying to drive this. However, we are also still people. We are not here right. as uh, as part oh. of our own will. You, so you think oh, they're right. real people Please who save are this. also being forced into this yeah. situation. Please okay. save this person. 
what's happening with them is not their fault. That I makes also, a lot of sense. Yeah, I also enjoy the the actual vocal tonal shift in Elizabeth Olsen in that scene because as Wanda, she's kind of peppy, you know, mid-century housewife. It's when exactly how the, they used to talk on those shows. Yeah, but when right. she looks at him and says, Vision, save him. Like, that's Scarlet Witch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's her real self. Yeah, that's Scarlet Witch saying, I, do this. <laughs> Make this right. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, which then lends the credence to Vision is um, Vision is of Wanda's making and not of someone else's. That's what I think too. I think she's actually constructed Vision through her abilities. Hmm. Um, And if the show at all follows her history with the kids, that is not going to end well for like existence nope no Ooh. okay don't tell me about that no no i don't know that either but like with with most things in the marvel cinematic universe versus the marvel comic universe they they take kind of the best things that they they want and then adapt Um, yes it took 20 minutes after that second episode like was officially seen by everyone for house of m to start trending (laughs) yeah What's House of M? See, if we say too much more about it, it will give away what potentially could happen in WandaVision. Gotcha. Okay. So something to visit later. Yeah, I remember like Bendis literally tweeted when he saw that. He's like, I didn't do it. (laughs) He's like, bless you. I didn't do it. (laughs) uh, I'm going to use Merrick's recommendation. If anyone hasn't read Avengers Standoff, go find it. Yeah, it's good. Because I think there's there's a lot of merit based on what she's told me about the plot of the book. It's like, oh, okay. That's uh, tempting, as uh, she said, looking at her <clears throat> stack of, like, 57 unread comics. Yeah, well, you know. What's it called? Avengers what? Avengers Standoff. Standoff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I will say this. I, I Not only am I looking forward to the 80s, but I'm also looking forward to there's got to be a nod to Full House. Oh, I, I already saw it. I already saw which could, scenes are the Full House scenes. How could there not be? Right. Oh, they're the biggest one in its time, and isn't it? That features her sisters. <laughs> also <Right>. that. <laughs> so what's, what's 70s going to be? Brady Bunch? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Brady Bunch, Partridge Family. Um. Yeah. Well, it seems like they sort of stick to one for each era. Well, because there's what ten episodes, eight nine. or ten, nine. I, yeah, I, I don't. Huh, I don't know that each episode sticks to one show because I think there are multiple Easter eggs in each of them. But they stick to they stick I, to th- they stick to themes within yeah. that genre of that. Yeah, era. They, they they pick up they use tropes. From mm-hmm. all across any one era, yeah. but like overall, each episode is is an homage to a specific show. Yeah, from what I've been able to tell. Yeah, because the first episode is clearly Lucille Ball and Dick Van Dyke show. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, leave it I would, to be I would have said there. mostly Dick Van Dyke. Mostly Dick Van Dyke, yeah, yeah. 
because if only because Paul consultant. Bentley's got very much he's got similar physical comedy characterisms as Dick Van Dyke. He just leaps <laughs> over that armchair. Yep. Just <laughs> like literally, I remember I started watching it, and I started watching the credits, and I couldn't help it. I started going. Fucking, I still love Dick Van Dyke. When they first walk into their house at the beginning of the episode, you're waiting for an ottoman. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, Brady Bunch. I mean, do they make it get a bit more edgier, or do they throw in All in the Family? Maybe, maybe they do uh, nods to Mary. I I would hope that they do nods to Mary Tyler Moore as well. That's right, Mary Tyler Moore. That was yeah, sixties that- also, wasn't it? No, 70s. No. 70s? Okay. That covers that. Because uh, she could wear pants then. Right. But she wore pants in the, in the, in the second episode. They had a whole conversation about it. Yes, because that was the transition to the, yeah. the transitional period where suddenly female, you know, it was women were wearing pants on TV. And I feel like by the time you get to the 80s, there's you could make an argument that there are three distinct eras of 80s sitcoms. Family ties. Yeah, you get your earliest, which is... Well, the earliest is the end of, like, what they actually used to call the urban sitcom, which means you're getting the end of All in the Family, the Jeffersons, 227. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, you get... Then it's, then it's... In the early 80s, it's all fucking cop shows. And as much as dark as it is, like the Cosby show saved the sitcom in the early eighties mm-hmm. and you get family ties. Um, That's later, growing pains. You get oh, growing no. pains, maybe Roseanne. And the end of the eighties is peak consumerism where you get the TGI Friday lineup that rolls into early nineties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you start getting your fresh prints. Um, yeah. It's kind of, I mean, beyond the story itself, it's a really interesting way for it to work on cultural touchstones of like American sitcoms. And I, I think that's the thing that's the most fascinating about the show. And that has definitely been the thing that has hooked viewers. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see the later episodes because then you'll be dealing with an era that with, then you'll be dealing with an era where the people who write and work on the show grew up watching Mm -hmm. those shows and probably have a more personal connection to them. You know, you, you, they reference stuff like Dick Van Dyke and Bewitch because those shows have transcended. They're now icons of television of that era. So mm-hmm. if you grow up wanting to write for TV, you fucking watch the Dick Van Dyke show and Bewitch. Like you, you just study it, you know. Someone because... mentioned it in the chat earlier. But yeah, if you're of a certain age, you also spent a lot of time with those essentially classics. Nick Thanks to Nick at Night. Mm-hmm. Ooh, we've been going on for almost two hours. We should wrap it up here. Yes. No, but it was fun. <laughs> I, I think that is a testament to the show because these two hours of television made me want to talk more about this show. Right. Than, than a lot of shows I've been watching. So that's pretty that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said, I was super, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it and how forward I am to the, re- looking to the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, next week we're going to have, um, uh, Greg and Ida back on. That's the end of the month, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, this time they do know. 
<laughs> I believe we'll be covering the Paladin. This will be the last of the building character out of core classes from then from now on out from t- next week on out it's gonna get weird i guess i don't even but, think we have a plan for the rest of this i know we'll have to talk about it next week and then of course we'll cover the third episode of wandavision just one episode now per week mm-hmm. so. um i don't want to say it yet next week we can announce our guests for the first show of february we can probably announce a lot of our february i think Next week, yeah, yeah, yeah. Happen, they happen, but we could, we could do it. Well, I want to lock in one more. The mm-hmm. other, the, the, you know, um, but I feel like next week we could pretty much announce all of February, and it's 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 guest packed. Indeed, less work for us. <laughs> but we do back end work. It's fine. Yes, we do. Uh. Well, yeah. Thanks to Nat popping in, nerding out over Lord of the Rings. Now I definitely want to watch that show. Oh, oh Gilligan's Islands! Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm looking at the chat. It'd be a <laughs> oh, great one. Those poor people. <laughs> Sorry, I watched Gossip Quest a few nights ago. <laughs> I think Gilligan's Island is real. Oh, people. <laughs> poor people. <laughs> well, with that, I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Ben Rita. And I'm Cable Hashitani. We'll talk everybody next week. I don't know. We, I need a different sign off. Yep. Apart from awkward <laughs> Are we so ready for Cable to have something? Uh, I got nothing. <laughs> awkward silence. Bye. Bye. You can't just give a hand signal on a podcast, Bean. Unless I throw in like a vocal, Denise, throw up devil horns. Denise threw up devil horns. Okay, bye. (laughs)